This next practice goes all the way back to the beginnings of Christianity. It doesn't take its proper shape, form, and name until the 6th century under St. Benedict as Lexio Divina, the name of the practice or the divine reading. Uh, but there were traces of the practice centuries before this, and since St. Benedict um, really helped give shape to it in, monast in Christ Christian monastic practice, uh, it's continued to evolve and to morph and to shift. Of course, coming into uh, uh, active participation as a Latter-day Saint, I had a very uh, alive meditation practice I was coming into it with. And I found out about Lexio Divina, and it was a very natural companion to me and my scripture practice of studying the scriptures. And I love the way it uh, combines a, uh, all of the big elements, all of the, uh, the different uh, modes and centers of intelligence that we've been exploring in this course. So I want to share it with you, and especially note the exercise of the heart that it gives us. It's, it's a similar way to working with scripture that uh, we've grown accustomed to, and it's also very novel and unique. Uh, so without further ado, I'll describe the four basic stages to you, and these are the classical stages that really took shape under St. Benedict. And in some forms of Lexio Divina throughout Christendom, there's a tendency to move through these steps sequentially, whereas uh, in the St. Benedictine style, it was a little more freeform and intuitive. Uh, I'll leave it up to you how you work with it, but let me give you the basic dance steps. Uh, you can get used to it and just like see how the practice lives in you. My LDS expression of Lexio Divina is read, ponder, pray, rest. These are the four steps, and we'll work with them uh, in different ways. Uh, at different times in our lives, and sometimes we'll be called to hang out in one particular step more than another. Some days you'll just be in like the pray mode, or some days you'll just be in the rest mode, and you'll spend almost no time in the read, ponder, or pray mode, and we'll get to that. Um, before we just jump into the practice and I guide you through it, let me just say a little bit about the theory of each step, because I think that will help clarify the, intent, the intention, and then we can just learn by doing, as we like to do in this kind of course. So, read. Um, presumably you know how to read. The only difference about this style of reading is that you are strongly encouraged to read out loud and to move your mouth as you read. Why? This actually gets back to concentration from session two, keeping an eye single. If we move our mouth as we read, and if, if we hear our voice, and sometimes you're in a place where you can belt it out and read really loud, other times you need a library whisper because you're, well, maybe you're in a library. Um, but nevertheless, if we move our mouth and if we hear our own voice, that will tend to concentrate our faculties on the verse. So just as a concentration technique, this is really powerful. It helps us be undivided in our scripture study. But another subtle thing it does that's actually really powerful, I've found, is that it engages our, uh, our moving center of intelligence, right? If I'm just reading 
and kind of forming ideas in the mind, then I'm in the center of intelligence that belongs to the intellect. But if I'm actually engaging in motor movement as I'm reading the scriptures, then I'm engaging the physical body. So it's powerful to get in this habit of like getting your mouth around the words and feeling your physicality involved in the practice as you do it. That's read. Oh, another thing I'll say about read is that, um, you know, we've grown accustomed in our Western culture to reading something and consuming it, trying to get through, say, a whole chapter of the Book of Mormon per day. There's a time and a place for that. And that's awesome. But with this style of uh, divine reading, we're not trying to cover ground at all. In fact, we're becoming so attuned to every micro-impression in the body, the mind, the heart, moment to moment, that our divine reading might be comprised of a single sentence. And the, the entire morning you dedicate to scripture study, you read a single sentence. So this is a different approach to working with the content, the word of scripture. And I'll say more about this in the guided meditation, but essentially it becomes a body scan, a, an awareness practice where we're becoming hyper attuned and vigilant to any spiritual energy impression that comes through any particular word, phrase, or sentence as we read. So we'll get into that momentarily. It's a good time. You'll have fun with it. The next step is um, probably the closest to what we do very naturally um, in, our, in our tradition already, which is ponder. And it means something like, if I could just uh, speak extemporaneously about it, it's like you read a scripture and you liken the scriptures to yourself. You could imagine like, oh, what if I were in this particular scene in the scripture? How would I respond? How does that person feel? Or then we start to move into associative thinking of how does this scene, how does this truth that's being revealed in the scripture remind me of things that are relevant and alive to me today? And so on and so forth. Ponder basically means we really engage the intellectual center and allow the mind to just elaborate on whatever it spontaneously connects to uh, the scripture we're working with. Maybe enough said about that. Here's where we get into uh, more of a, a deliberate practice around the heart proper. We read something, we engage all of our faculties in this reading process. We attune to subtle sensations um, bursts of energy, insight, wisdom, etc. And it's as if we're ingesting manna when we do this. We're like eating spiritual food. And when we receive true spiritual nourishment, there's a very natural response that comes up in our being to want to give thanks, to want to reach out and uh, have a relationship with God, to uh, commune with God, to have an encounter with God, and to express whatever it is that we feel to express in the moment based on this nourishment we've received. Um, gratitude is a very natural place to start. Some might even say that's the best place to start, to just express gratitude. 
But the intention of the moving into prayer is to move from the relationship with the divine word into a relationship directly with the divine living being, to just consciously have an encounter to commune with God in the prayer phase. That can go on for days, if you'd like. Uh, at some point, however, when you're prayed out, <laughs> and that's not a bad thing to be prayed out, it's like when you're done praying, when it's just complete and there's nothing more to pray, this final step is what resembles the work we've been doing in this particular course around contemplation, which is just rest. But this is a special kind of rest. It's, yes, physically relaxing in the body, that always is helpful to create a foundation of practice. But we don't stop there. We actually begin at restfulness in the body. And over time, we learn to rest our very sense of self. Any, any contraction, any withdrawal away from the total presence of, divine, of, of God or any... Um, uh, separation from a sense of divine union, we practice resting. It, it's as if the natural man, woman, person were resisting this almost annihilating presence. It's like the burning bush. It's so powerful, we need to learn to relax into it and not defend ourselves against it. And so the basic task when we enter the rest period of the divine reading, or Lectio Divina, is to notice every time awareness contracts on anything. If I notice a thought, that means I'm noticing something, and I let it go, I relax it, I relax it. I notice a feeling come up, I relax it. Anytime I notice that I'm noticing anything, I relax it. And traditionally, one of the ways this is done to help ourselves relax is to have a sacred word. Right? It's our prayer word that every time we notice attention fixating, we come back to this word. Uh, for example, it, it, ideally, it's a word that's very simple, um, even a single syllable. I, I often use the word peace, but you could use the word love. You could use the word Christ, any, any word um, whose meaning you're not intended to fixate upon. I'm not saying peace and then hmm, trying to feel peaceful, because even feeling peaceful is another fixation. <laughs> you're starting to sense the subtlety of the practice. In most contexts in human life, it's like, what's wrong with feeling peaceful? What's wrong with having that thought about Jesus right now? Nothing's wrong with it. But in the context of this practice, we're really noticing a very subtle defensiveness we have toward releasing into the infinity of God's presence. So when we rest in this practice, we really mean rest. It's as if we become willing to completely forget ourselves, to become empty of the self, in order to allow God to fill the self and create a new self. That's the spirit of the practice. So let's do it. Let's just do it. I have chosen a scripture that I really like, 
and we'll put it up for you on the screen. Um, you can do this along with me this round, and certainly uh, you're encouraged to uh, choose uh, scripture, to choose literature, any written word that feels inspiring to you, like true food, you can do this process with. I'm just going to start with one scripture. I could have started with any number of scriptures, but we're going to work with this. I'll step you through it again, and uh, we'll see where we are on the other side. <laughs> 